Welcome to another episode of Talking Proudcast here. Uh, I am Del Reed with my co-host, uh, Matt Carlucci. Hello, hello. And uh, we are presented by Value Home Centers, and we are very grateful for their belief in our efforts. So thank you, Value Home Centers. And uh, we are here today with the one and only Jixter from 97 Rock. What's up, Jixter? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Your second Talking Proudcast. Yep, this, you are our second guest, and in uh, nice just under a right. year, <laughs> in just in just under a year. Yeah, we're gonna get the ball rolling now. Now that yeah. holidays are over and Soup Fest is over, yeah. so uh, the November episode was not just a one and done, but um, yeah. So we're, this should be fun. So it's going. Yeah, you're starting. You're you're relaxing. You're just taking it in stride. No problem. Yeah, we can have long pauses because Matt yeah. can edit those out and everything. I've so added. I've. Out. I think I, if I counted, I probably edited it out. Maybe three hundred uhs and ums and sirens in the background, etc. So sirens are cool though. That adds a little atmosphere. It does it make does. it feel it pretty authentic. It's like welcome to Buffalo. We are in the city, and yes. you know we're proud of it. And there are sirens all the time here on Main Street where we are. All right. So what we do with every one of these podcast episodes is. Do a series of questions. We ask everybody pretty much the same questions, but not always the same questions, but close enough to the same questions. So at the end, we're going to have this list of all of our guests and compile how they answered each question. That's a dream. That might not ever happen, but anyway. Yeah, that's new information to me. I didn't know, even know what we were doing. Just that's made that really up. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea is. For me to, like, I'm going to have to answer the question better than anybody else did. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to nail it. The and, idea is that, yeah. exactly. We want to, at the end, be able to say, here's how everybody answered the question. We'll rate them all from a scale of 1 to 10, and the ones that we don't like, we'll throw out. That's a joke. I'm kidding. We won't do that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Del, do you want to go ahead and... So you guys have a lot of time on your Ask, yes, yes. I really don't, do actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know how we end up... I don't know how we do this. Go ahead, Del. You can All lose right. off. So real quick, uh, before we jump into our questions and everything, uh, Jixer, you're with 97 Rock. You've been with them for... I'll let you fill in the blank there. How many years? I've been there uh, full-time 12 years, probably 15 altogether. I was part-time filling whatever when I first started. Awesome. So, uh, not only that, though, not only are you are not only are you a voice on the radio, but you do a lot of stuff out in the community, uh, which is kind of why we wanted to have you on. You do the whole thing uh, right around Thanksgiving time, where rock out hunger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to tell everybody about that real quickly because I think it's awesome what you do, and I see the, you know, the, the tweets and all the 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 social media stuff, and obviously I hear you on the radio talking about it. But yeah, talk actually, about rock out hunger. That wasn't my idea. Um, that was our program director and fearless leader John Hager, who came to me, and this is when I first started working there full time, and granted, I am the promotions director, marketing director, but the reason I'm there is to also be on the air. I always wanted to be on the air. That was my childhood dream, so here I am at Nice for Rock, but how am I gonna get airtime because the guys I'm working with, I grew up listening to, they're not gonna go anywhere. You know, They all love their job, so. They asked me if I would live on a truck the week before Thanksgiving until it was full food. And I said, yeah, absolutely, because I knew I'd get airtime out of it. I didn't think about anything else, you know. And then they, you know, we're going to help the food bank out and everything. Because 97 Rocks always, through their existence, has been, you know, community, charity-oriented, charity-minded. So 
I did it the first year and it was cool. I got lots of airtime and everything. But then I started thinking about why I'm doing it and meeting people that, uh, that need the food bank or work for the food bank and what a great job they do and what the food bank does and everything. And then it very quickly became not about me getting airtime. It really, be, it really became the cause. And, um, you know, I do it, you know, it's our 12th, we just wrapped up our 12th year. And uh, I look forward to doing it every year. And the people I've met and the stories from um, people donating to, you know, the people that need a food bank, people come there looking for food. I mean, I, I, could, I could probably write a book and maybe someday I will. But uh, it's all about the cause now. Yeah, I, I always mention that on Twitter and anybody who's listening that giving is actually addicting. Yeah. Like once you once you give somebody something and you see the actual like you see, you see their face light up or you get like a nice thank you letter back or, or whatever it is, uh, it's addicting. You want that again and again. And then it becomes a habit and you don't even feel like you need to see the effects because you know how they're going to look or how they're going to feel. And like just knowing that you're blessing somebody else is, is something, you know, you can't put a can't put a word on it. Absolutely. You know, we all, we've all, everybody in this room have, have done things for charity, but yeah, when, when you see the results and you see the people you're helping and we were just talking off the air about Eric, Eric Wood, the Eric Wood fund of how I was a part of a small part of his foundation of, of taking, picking kids up from children's hospital and taking them shopping, which Eric Wood was funding through his foundation. Amazing, seeing these kids that are, are getting treated for whatever illness they might have at Children's Hospital, but they get to go shopping with Eric Wood and the Buffalo Bills and get to pick anything they want in that store. They each have $300 to spend. You know, seeing th results like that and seeing, you know, smiles on, on people's faces. Yeah, like you said, you said it perfect. Yeah, it's gotta be great for those kids too. Um, that you, you, They see these guys walking in who are like, must look like mountains wearing big blue jerseys and then like oh yeah not only am i going to hang out with you and talk to you but go buy some stuff too i mean yeah. that's that's what a great thing that is yeah there, there, and there's so many there's so many through 97 rock through the radio station i work for um the people you get to help the people you get to help are, are amazing i mean it's it's never ending and and that that's definitely the biggest part about my job that I, I enjoy most is, is 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 helping and being able to help because of the station. One common theme that a lot of people who give back to the community have is they start out not intentionally getting into it for that purpose. Like you mentioned, they gave you an opportunity to get some airtime, and then once you get out there, obviously you know you're being doing good by doing it. But you get out there and you realize, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger. This is even better than just the airtime because that feeling that you get when you're giving, giving things away and you're giving, um, you know, putting smiles on kids' faces, it's kind of unbelievable and it's unbeatable. And I mean, I'm sure you probably worked hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours, not getting paid for it. And still, here you are, you know, an, ex an example of what a philanthropist could actually be in this community. Well, yeah. And like I said, when I first said, yeah, I'll do it, I didn't even know what the charity was. I'll do it. I'll live on a truck. But then you see the stats. And I go through the stats every year, and I almost had them memorized from this past year. I mean, of the thousands of people the Food Bank of Western New York serves, thousands. And there's people hungry everywhere. Now, our truck where that I live on is right in front of the Eastern Hills Mall, which is the Clarence Williamsville area. 
there's food pantries in Clarence and there's hungry people in Williamsville. I'm like, you're kidding me. This is Williamsville. People don't even drive a car that's older than two years in this town. But um, yeah, there's 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 thousands of people in Williamsville, Clarence that, that rely on the food bank. So that's amazing. So I mean, yeah. So helping somebody that's a little down on their luck, and these are working people too. Um, a lot of people think the food bank is for homeless people, people that are too lazy to work. No, the, the food bank serves either um, veterans, uh, many, many senior citizens, and then they serve uh, families. A, a, a hardworking mother and father will go work 40 hours a week making minimum wage, but they have a family of four at home and they got to pay their mortgage and they have to pay their electric bill and they have to pay their heating bill. And then whatever they have left over, they have to feed their family. So a lot of these families just don't make enough to feed the family. So that's what the food bank's all about. But I never knew that until I dove in and did something for it. And now I can talk, I could probably talk the whole hour about what the food bank does on this Talking Proudcast. And I feel really guilty editing any any of it out. So I think we'll probably uh, I'm going to have to. You guys can. I, I won't but, be offended. But at some point, but I there mean, will be a time I'm going to have you guys on the radio, and I might do a little editing too. That's that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. In fact, I've recently been on the radio with you, and I think some of it was edited. So, um, okay. So the, the the official first question is this: If you had to, if your life was a five minute long documentary film, and you were narrating it right now, what would that sound like? Five minutes only, birth to today, without any details that you don't feel comfortable sharing. We'll talk about those after the mics are off. You want me to talk about my life for five minutes? Yeah. I feel with the look on your face, I should mention this was this question was Matt's idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so I went I on a website about good questions to ask people. <laughs> so basically, what here's what we're actually looking for. We're looking for, you know, uh, where are you from? What? Where were you? Where were you brought up? Where were you raised? Okay. Where did you go to school? If you did, if you didn't, whatever. And then, how did you get into the business that you're in? And then, okay, you know. I, I could probably you know give you a short version of that. I don't think people are going to want to hear five minutes of, of, but I'll tell you. It's so, probably more like two minutes to be honest. I I grew up in Genesee County, 15 minutes south of Batavia. And I went to uh, um, Alexander School there, Alexander Central School, a great place to grow up. A lot of farmers and stuff, but uh, a really nice place to grow up. You know, I don't think I've ever locked the doors on my car, or, or I don't think my parents ever locked their doors, you know, growing up. It was just, you knew everybody and just a great place to grow up. Um, and then when I graduated from high school, I went to Genesee Community College for a while, but I was a DJ. I, I, I bought a sound system when I was like in ninth grade. My parents lent me the money, which was really surprising they lent me that money. But I thought I was going to be like a rock star. And then I quickly realized that, one, I really can't play guitar or sing. But if I hook up, you know, some tape decks to the amp, I can play music. So I happened to be class president, so I used to hire myself to DJ the school dances. And uh, next thing you know, I was DJing all over Genesee, Wyoming County. I worked at Darien Lake in the food service department in, in every summer, so you'd meet a bunch of people. It was a melting pot of high school kids from every town you can possibly imagine. So I ended up networking myself, which that's how important networking is, I tell my interns all the time. And I started doing high school dances all over Genesee, Wyoming, Erie County. And then um, 
I went to GCC for a little bit, but then I was I started DJing bars, nightclubs, and I always wanted to do radio, but I didn't jump right into radio because I was one having way too much fun, you know, playing bars and nightclubs and everything. But then I eventually said it's time to grow up, so I got a job at this little AM radio station called CJ Country in Warsaw, New York. And still, the owner, still there, great guy, his name's Lloyd Lane, learned a lot, learned a lot about radio. And it was funny, because I was this big DJ playing in all these clubs, packing all these bars three or four or five nights a week, and I thought I knew everything, and I walked into, to, uh, I think he started me doing weather, and I was just awful. But I learned a lot from that little station. And it's funny, because I always wanted to work 97 Rock as a kid growing up. And the program director of 97 Rock, who's still there, is John Hager. He actually worked at WCJW Radio during his early, early years. Uh, Pete Gallivan from Channel 2 worked at WCJW Radio. So eventually, um, I got in contact with John Hager and Larry Norton and said, hey, I really want to work for you guys. And they started having me do like concert. Like Larry says, if you have any good ideas, you call me. If your idea is good, I'll put you on the radio. So I used to call him like every week. And sometimes he'd call me back because I had a good idea. And other times he'd never call me back because the idea was awful. But I ended up doing concert reviews. So that's really how I got my foot in the door um, through WCJW. That was my in with John Hager. We had something in common. And then I uh, just started doing concert reviews. And to this day, I still they still send me out to all the concerts to do broadcasts from, which is kind of funny. So that's basically my career all in a nutshell. But yeah, I cheated myself. I, I mean, I was class president and hired myself, which really wasn't that, it was a legit deal. It sounds kind of shady, but. No, I, I, I make, was cheaper than sense. most local DJs, yeah, that's for sure. Cut yourself a deal. Yeah. yeah that's good. So the concert reviews, so what, uh, did you go on the next day and you're just like, oh yeah, that show sucked? Or did you be like, oh. Yeah, well, I, I kept everything Brent Michaels positive. really didn't have it last night or, or whatever. Or. I think my first few <laughs> reviews were, uh, most of my reviews were, were, were I'm, I'm a very positive person. So I, I don't think I've ever, not too many people I ever really trashed. Um, What's a bad review sound like from you though? If the show is terrible and well, I, I understand th you want to give it a positive spin. There are some bad know, reviews. There's, um, I'll give you a perfect example. Nickelback was at Darien Lake, and I forget what year it was. Doesn't but matter. I don't think they were the headliner. Catalog has changed. There was like three bands before them. They were the headliner, and they were on stage for like 50 minutes, and. You know, and look, I grew up old school, you know, I, here's, I've seen Springsteen 53 times. He, some shows. Is that a real number or is that an exaggeration? No, like that's that? a real number. Some shows he plays four hours, other shows he might play two hours and 45 minutes, but it's a show. I've seen Paul McCartney. Late, late in his career, like, you know, like in Buffalo, he was here a couple years ago. I saw him in Toronto, you know, a couple years before that. And he's in his 70s and he's on stage for two and a half hours. Billy Joel. I can go on and on and on. The Stones are like 130 years the old. Stones they did three hours and, and they're dancing rocked, all over the stage. Yeah. Rocked. 
rocked the stadium for three years ago, four years ago. You too. I, I mean, I can go on and on and on. And here's a band that's headlining this tour, and they were on stage 50 minutes. So, was their their show bad? No, they, I mean, they, they have a lot of hit songs. They sounded good, but to me, you shouldn't really going on. You, sh you shouldn't go on tour for 50 minutes set list. You, sh you should at least try to put two hours of. Even if you have to play cover tunes. Of people that you know that you respect and admire, do that. Don't play fifty minutes. Take everybody's money and run. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So what's there's a bad review. I'm taking that. That's I'm taking that's one of the worst shows you've had to, you've had to you've had to do for '97 Rock. What is one of the best? I won't make you say the best because that's kind of hard sometimes. I think I just named it. I mean, uh, uh, Paul McCartney. Um, basically, the thing of Paul is, his show is amazing. He he along with his bandmates changed the world with music so just seeing paul mccartney walk on stage before he plays a note is uplifting enough but uh, then he does a show and he, he's such a great entertainer so so paul mccartney obviously springsteen uh billy joel puts on a hell of a show. you ever get a chance to see billy joel and i know he's in new york once a month go because you're going to see a show um you know and i i, I could yeah I, I could go on but springsteen Paul McCartney, U2 was was fabulous, and I actually had a chance to see U2 during their original Joshua Tree tour, which was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, when they were at the Odd, I saw that show, and then I saw them at the stadium, and they were just as good. That's awesome, the, the longevity that they that they have. You know, my partner with 26 Shirts, Dan Jagani, is the biggest U2 fan I've ever met. Uh, he actually had, uh, he was able to arrange it so that a couple of years ago when they were in Toronto, Bono from the stage actually actually set Dan up to propose to Katie, his now wife, like at the show. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But anyways, so he he loves you two more than anybody I've ever, I've ever met. But um, real quick, when you say the Paul McCartney show, my daughter was at that show. And my wife... Uh, and I kind of scored tickets like at the last second kind of thing. And mm -hmm. my daughter's at that age where you really want to like instill some memories in her. And sure. you know, the Beatles are my wife's all time favorite band, hands down, no matter what. Um, I mean, obviously because they're, they're so great. And you know, I actually was never really into them until she introduced me to them like really when we met. Um, Cause they were always my dad's band. So I never really had a lot of interest in them. They were like, that was my dad's music. But anyways, long story short, uh, Matt, you pr could probably edit this whole part, this whole part out. It, but, it may happen. Keep yeah, going. but anyway, so that was really cool though that my daughter got to experience the Paul McCartney show. So even though I wasn't there, it's a cool memory because my wife was sending videos of the two of them at the show. And, and let me ask you this: Did she enjoy it? Oh, she loved it. Yeah, yeah. she she absolutely loved it. You know, did yeah, he do I mean, a, did he do a, a lot of Beatles stuff too, or did a lot of like? 70s wing stuff. No, a lot of stuff. Beatles stuff. Yeah. He did oh, some okay. wing stuff too, but a, lo a lot of Beatles stuff. And, and here's what I love seeing, not only is it job security for me, but at a Paul McCartney show, you're going to see kids, teenagers, college students, and really old people. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all enjoying it the same amount. It's just, it's just amazing. And and I really encourage you know kids to go see some of the older guys while they're still alive and kicking because um, today's concerts just aren't the same. And, and I don't want to knock Ed Sheeran in any way because he's so talented and I think he's a cool guy and I'd love to go out and have some beers with him. But he, I went to see his show 
um, just recently at the uh, Key Bank Center. And, and it was cool, it was great, but it was just him. And he does all that computerized stuff with the drum beat and the guitar and everything, which takes a lot of talent. He's very, very talented doing that. But I was looking around the crowd and there's 18,000 people there. And a lot of them are thinking this is what happens in a concert. It's, it's all computerized and whatever. And, and it's not, you know, like Ed Sheeran, I think would be even better even though what he did takes so much talent and so much practice and you have to be so good at what you do, but I think he would even be better if he just took a real band and went on the road and, and had that energy of the guitar, a lead guitar player and a rhythm guitar player and a drummer and whatever. I think that would make Ed Sheeran the next big, big thing. He's going to be the next big thing anyways, but if he does it right, I think he's going to be bigger. I actually really love the direction that this is going. Like, I, I mean, I would normally steer the ship back towards the questions, but I could talk to you about music, like, all day. <laughs> oh, I'm not even talk to you, just, like, listen to you talk about music. This is awesome. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to sound like that old guy going, oh, geez, back in the day, you know. Because you, you need to respect what people are, are going to see now. And Ed Sheeran, I tell you what, he's, gonna, he, he's amazing. I just think he could be better if he brought the things you're supposed to bring forward to at a concert. There's, if there's one thing I can say about Jixter, about you, is that – even your constructive criticism is by far the 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 bound the limit of of how like critical you could be of anybody like i mean even you were you said nice things about nickelback like all you said was oh you might show be the first person to ever say that you oh, basically just said their show wasn't long enough i mean that was awesome um uh, I mean, yeah i i just felt that <laughs> it was, trust me, I have a lot of friends that can't stand Nickelback, so I'm sure the show was 55 minutes too long for them. <laughs> but here's the deal, the way I look at it. I'm like, there's, um, there's probably 8,000 people there, and they're excited to see Nickelback and to go out there and take their money. Tickets for concerts, you guys know, are not cheap. And right. to take their money, whatever those tickets cost, I really don't know because I didn't have to pay to get in. But... To play 55 minutes, I think, as a band, you are ripping everybody off. And there's something you could have done better. If you only want to play those songs for 55 minutes, then maybe you guys should sit down, have a little meeting with yourself, and maybe tell some stories about why you got started or, or play some songs that you first heard on the radio that made you want to pick up the guitar and play. They could have just gave a lot more back to that crowd. Because, yeah, despite the overwhelming general consensus about Nickelback, which I don't 100% agree with, but I don't really care for their music. I don't think they're the worst thing that ever happened to music. Top 10, maybe. But <laughs> my, uh, my grandmother used to always say this thing. She used to say, there's people that like black licorice. There's people that like black licorice, which, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, overwhelmingly, people hate black licorice. But, yeah, Good and Plenty is still a top-selling candy. So, I, I think... <laughs> I guess you could say Nickelback is the good and plenty uh, of, of bands, and Let's you know what? The black licorice. Let's not use good or plenty. Well, <laughs> you know, I can um, I can give another example too of, and I really hate to do this because he's one of my favorite was one of my favorite artists of all time, Tom Petty, late great Tom Petty. When he passed away, it really hit me. It really hit me hard because I didn't even. There was just very few shows. When the, when the concerts get announced, there's very few shows that I get excited for, but a Tom Petty show, I always get excited for. So about, I don't know what year it is, guys, but within the last 10 years, uh, he's played Darien Lake several times and great shows. But one year, 
it was like the summer after he performed at the Super Bowl. So I don't know what year that is. It's in the past 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's in the last decade. But he announced a show at Darien Lake, and that show sold out rather quickly, like 22,000 people. And he had a contract with Live Nation that had to do so many shows. And since the Darien show sold out better than any of his other shows in Live Nation venues around the Northeast, they added another show to Darien Lake two weeks later. So here's Tom Petty coming to Darien Lake. One show sold out. They added another show. It didn't sell out, but it did well probably 14, 15,000 people. So I go to see Tom Petty, who I've never seen put on a bad show, probably seen him five or six times through his career. And he came out and played, he was on stage for two and a half hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes. And he said, good night, walked off stage. He never said, hey, Buffalo, Rochester, Darien Lake. I'll see. I'll be back here in two weeks. I'll see you then. And he used to always talk to the crowd, but he didn't talk to the crowd at all that night. He just went through his songs and played. So I was a little disappointed that he wasn't a little bit more personable with the crowd because he always has been before. And then he came back two weeks later and he played the exact same set list that he did two weeks earlier and didn't say, good to be back. We did this last time, and I was I was furious. I, mean, I was so mad at Tom Petty for about two or three years. I was so mad at him for doing that. But there's another example of, of how he was just kind of going through the motions at that time in his life. Now, after that tour, I have seen him, and, and, and the shows were fantastic, and he, he was back talking to the crowd and everything. So I don't know what it was in that time of his life, but I was very upset for them, and, and I gave him a, a bad review on the radio as well. Not a bad review. Yeah, no, I, the I show was you. still good. But yeah, I was what you said, I asked you that. But, yeah, yeah. Whatever you said, what you said just now, I wouldn't call that a bad review. I would just say you really— Picking, maybe? He, well, well no, yeah, yeah. These are the facts. Yeah. You know, they played a 50-minute show, or he played the exact yeah. same set, and there wasn't exact that much banter. Exact same set list. Who, who, who would do that? Mix it up. Don't be lazy. What I'm trying to say is no matter what job you have, try not to be lazy. I like, I actually, I dig I like that. that. We're, we should quote that. That's definitely staying in. Absolutely. Well, we should, when, we, when we tweet about this, we should put that, that line in there. That's don't good. be lazy. Don't be Jester. lazy. No, whatever job you have, don't be lazy. You should skip to question three, I okay, think. Okay, I'm skipping to question three because we kind of encapsulated the, the question two and, and that whole banter there. Uh, okay, what is your specific business you do? No, you're going to... What is your specific business slash you as oh, in like... Oh, can you tell this is like the first time? You're going to edit this. All right. So, <laughs> all right, your specific business slash you, uh, what is it that you do that you're most proud of? Whether it's, you know, what you do through 97 Rock, what you do yourself, um... Both, a little bit of each. What are you most proud of that you're that you're doing these days? Well, I think we already answered that too. I, I I think I'm most proud of being able to be in a situation because if I didn't have 97 Rock, no one's going to call me up and say, "Hey, Jigster, will you do? Will you help us out with this benefit or whatever?" You know, it just wouldn't happen without 97 Rock. Um, Nowadays, you get asked to do so many so many things, it's almost impossible to keep up with them. But the ones that are close to my heart, um, I put my heart and soul into helping that organization or those people. And that's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of being able to help other people. That's the right answer. That is the right answer. 
and that was that was too easy. But I think I get. I, yeah. yeah, that was too easy. Too easy of a question. Too easy. No. Too easy. That was too easy of a question. He's a guinea pig. Did we mention that on air? <laughs> or, uh, he's, yes, we he's, he's among he's among the guinea pigs. I think yeah. we're gonna have several that we're gonna. Okay, so uh, the next question is. It's a generic question, but we're gonna fo- we're gonna make it All more right. specific to you. Your industry, we're gonna call it, we're gonna call it the radio industry. Okay. What does that mean specifically to Buffalo? How does the radio industry affect Buffalo, and what do you think the radio industry, or just the radio stations in Buffalo, mean to Buffalonians? And we'll get into some more questions off of that, but specifically well, that. Um, Ninety-seven Rock has been a monster in Buffalo for over 35 years and continues to do so. It serves the community. You know, we we play classic rock. Um, And I I like to say, and I think it's safe to say, classic rock is a music that just doesn't die. You know, it hits all generations. Um, uh, You know, a few years back, when that uh, that rock band video game came out for the first time ever you had parents and kids listening to the same music and you mentioned it Dell you know you took your daughter to um, see Paul McCartney or your wife took her to see Paul McCartney and and you guys can all listen to the Beatles together that never happened you know I mean kids didn't listen to Buddy Holly with their parents you know back in the back in the late 50s and 60s or Elvis Presley you know I mean so now we we play music that just doesn't die and like all ages can relate to you know a lot of i go to a lot of country shows um just because um i feel a a lot of especially males that listen to country music also listen to leonard skinner and and acdc and uh, the marshall tucker band and a lot of stuff we play so we go to a lot of country concerts just to be seen there and through promotions and marketing in 97 rock and if Jason Aldean's on stage, he's gonna play a Tom Petty song, or he's gonna play, or Zach Brown's gonna play a Led Zeppelin song, or but all these country artists play this classic rock song, or sometimes three or four songs in their show, and I look and I see all ages at a country concert from six years old, old to 60, and they know all the words to all these classic rock songs. So that's, um, a cool thing that we're, we're still doing. We're still playing classic rock, the music that doesn't die. And the thing about 97 Rock too is it's been a monster in the community for 35 years, but we stay local. All the DJs there have been there for that long. People know who they are. Um, we're, we're active in the community. Uh, we, we, we try to talk about local things and help local people and local organizations out. So that's how important 97 Rock is in this community. And I tell you what, all radio stations, you know, there's all this, you know, with with today's technology, you know, people that are in the TV business are looking over the shoulders. Some people that are in radio business are looking over the shoulders and and print too. Are, everybody's looking over the shoulders, but I think it's all gonna survive because when it all comes down to it, people wanna know, they don't just wanna read a, a breaking news tweet, they wanna hear about it on the radio, or they wanna tune in to find out what they can do to help, or get the latest information, and they want somebody to tell the story of what happened and not just read it from a tweet. So I think we're all gonna be okay, but I think everybody has to go about it a little bit different. Okay, so that actually dovetails really nicely into our next question is, okay, so you just, you talked about you know how you know radio is a kind of like a pillar, if I can use that word, sure. in terms of society and how it's not really going anywhere. But what do you think are some things that 
the radio industry can do better? Well, listen, um, I, I think we could do keeping up with what the, the millennials or even the younger generations doing is is really hard to do. So I can speak for myself as a, as a promotions and marketing guy, keeping up with what they're doing and blending in with what they're doing with their, whether it's social media or whatever, that's always a challenge because that changes and it changes rather quickly. Um, you know, look, I, and I tell my, my, my interns this too, they're, you can always do things better, always. No matter what you do, you can, you can do everything better, you know? Um, so you can never sit back and say, oh, geez, we're the best and we don't have to do anything. You can always work harder and do things a little bit better. Okay, so um, as Dell mentioned, I made up this list of questions, or I edited this list of questions. So you kind of sort of answered this, but not officially. Who are your influences and your, I could say, inspirations or your muse? You know, what people affected your your life, your career, and where you are now? Well, um, music. I think we, we. I think Bruce Springsteen. I think when when I went to see Springsteen for the very first time, I was just a little kid, but I'm like, I want to do that. And then I realized that I can't sing or play guitar. But I wanted to be in the entertainment business, which which is one reason I'm a DJ. When I used to go to Bills games, I remember my first Bills game my grandfather took to me. I saw Van Miller, and I wanted to I wanted to do I wanted to do I wanted to broadcast, and and radio was such a big part of my life. And it's I, it's funny because I work with a lot of the guys I grew up listening to now. Bill Lacey, I used to listen to him while waiting for my elementary school bus. He works at a station right across the hall from me, and he loves his job. And, and he, he he I'm sure. I mean, he's going to probably want to retire someday. But everybody in our in our business, they they love their job. But Rick Jenneret, when he went and he told a story when he went into the Buffalo Hall of Fame about for all you kids that had your transistor radio underneath your pillow listening to me after you were supposed to go to bed, you know, this is for you. I was one of those guys, man. My parents, you know, it's it's bedtime. I would sneak a radio underneath my pillow and listen to the Sabres game, listen to Rick Jenneret call it. And um, so I, I think any Buffalo broadcaster, especially the ones that are in the Buffalo Broadcasting Hall of Fame that we've all heard of, they've all had a little part to do in my life, including the guys that I work with now. And I can tell you right now, one of the highlights in my career, it happened about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I'm in the press box at a Sabres game, and it's between periods, and I'm walking to go, they have like food and, 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 and pop or whatever, popcorn, hot dogs, whatever, so I'm walking to the food place in the press box, and Rick Jenneret walks by me, and I thought he said, hey, Jixter, how you doing? And I'm like, I think Rick Jenneret just knows, I think Rick Jenneret knows who I am. I went to my boss the next day, and I said, I think Rick Jenneret said, hey, Jixter, how you doing? And I was so, and then it turns out that he did know who I was, and that was a highlight in my, Rick Jenneret knows who I am, and that was definitely a highlight in my career, because he was definitely an inspiration. That's awesome, that's a really cool story. It's 
Yeah, it's, it's one like, of those moments. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I've made it. Yeah, I was like, Rich Reynolds, who I am. I mean, this. You want to hear something super lame? So, um, I I do some work with with your family of radio stations over at at um, at, at the, the the office that you're at. I guess it's technically called the with the Cumulus office. Yep, Cumulus. Um, and um, you know, we went in there, and and last year, um. You you helped me out with my soup fest and Absolutely. and this year you helped me out again and 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 we had we had a bunch of you know awesome guys we know Bentley was there and yep, and awesome. yeah and so you after we're talking about it and you you brought me into your office and you gave me your card and you wrote your cell phone number on it and I left and I texted my wife I'm like. I got Jixer's cell phone number. <laughs> and I was like, "This is so cool." Oh, that's, funny. that's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I, 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 girls have it; they just don't use it. Well, I, just kidding. I, I, well, I don't know what I can oh, do. No, actually, just kidding. They use it. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, yeah. I'm sure they do. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because I, my story is similar in the in the way that I, I always wanted to broadcast, and I was the vice president of my senior class. So I made myself the announcer for all of our pep rallies, uh, and I was the guy with the microphone in my hand. If you look at my senior yearbook, it's just there's a bunch of pictures of me with a microphone so in my hand. Very similar to to my story earlier. Yeah. Exactly, and then I ended up. Um, I wanted to be I wanted to be on the radio, and um, I actually was in communications at Buff State, and I wanted to be in like broadcasting, and then um, I ended up. After actually at my senior prom, the the DJ at the senior prom, I said, I, "This is really cool. I like this because now you're talking to people and you're doing the hey, how's it going, DJ voice thing, but you're also, uh, you know, playing music and, and and people are dancing. I love that power of pressing a button and and not not just making people dance, but making people um, react and do what they want to do. There's and an feel art to that. Yeah, yeah, and." Um, the first few years I did it, I, I sucked. I mean, I was terrible. Like people would uh, people would leave the dance floor when I when I picked stuff, and I got better at it. And then I started what I my real the real reason I think I started becoming good as as a, a wedding DJ um, is because I was listening to the radio, and I was listening to the top forty stuff, but I was also listening to um, the old uh, you know the Power ninety four or WBLK stuff, and I was listening to ninety seven Rock a lot and one hundred three three The Edge and all those different stations and. And listening to how they flow, how songs flow together in the evening, in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, this is back in, this is, I mean, this is, you know, Larry Norton was still doing his, the, mm-hmm. the Thornton, Larry, Larry Norton stuff. And, and, um, and, you know, 104 was still an oldie station, but that's bef- before they started playing like 80s music right. as oldies, which I couldn't. I still can't get over that. Um, but long story short, it's the guys on the radio um, that, the the way I mean I know it's different the way it's done now the way things are programmed in and and, and played it's not all off the cuff or, or on the fly as, as it is I mean it can be I know but um, guys like you and and you know it's it's inspirational it's silly to say that you know I can be inspired by a radio DJ but I really I, what you do is beyond just you know pressing play because I mean there would be no need for you if if you they could just play Spotify on the radio you know what I mean so I mean you know it, it takes a talent it takes a skill and it takes a dedication to, to do what well, you thanks, do thanks Matt but yeah thanks Matt and, and getting back what you said though it's like yeah there is so much to learn from I mean the, especially the guys I work with and I have learned so much from them but the whole point about 
I don't care what kind of business you're in in the entertainment, whether you're you're on TV or or you're you're on the radio. I, I think it all comes back to and you need to be a real person. You can't be a phony and act like you care about the community and not care about the community. And are there some people in this market that do that? Probably yes. Um, you know, you can't just because you're on the radio or on TV and people know who you are doesn't mean that you can walk around and think that you're better than everybody and just sign some autographs and go home. I mean, part of our job on the radio and as far as I'm concerned off the radio, if people know who you are, then you can help the community even more if people respect who you are. And um, and that, that's what I try to do. And a lot of guys I work with try to do the same thing. But uh, it's, it's like you got to give back. You can't just take, 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 take. With great power comes great responsibility. And there's a lot of people, to tell you the truth, that will walk by a radio guy or, or, or a local TV guy, local radio guy, and not even care who they are because uh, that's how the times change. They can do they can do what we do or think they can do what we do from their their kitchen with their with the equipment nowadays. And you know, there's a lot of thought and a lot of professionalism into what we've done continue to do all right let's go we're gonna switch gears here um do you have netflix i do all right what's in your queue right now what are you watching you know i don't watch it a lot um i like documentaries big time matter of fact um it's not a netflix but jp told me there's a great documentary i think it's on hbo of david bowie right now um i like documentaries and i I shouldn't tell you the, the uh, ID channel. The, the, what's it called? Investi the investigate channel. Yes, yeah. I like I like that. I, I like that I, too. I can't stop I can be in the right that. mood. Yeah. What they do is they take real stories and they talk to real people that were involved in them. Sometimes they show real crime scene photos, but they have reenactments of everything they do too. So it's the most. All their shows are the same format, reenactments, real things going on, and I'm addicted to it. I, I, I was off yesterday. I sat, I watched, I watched that show all day. The Olympics were going on. I would flip through the Olympics, but go right back to the ID Wait, channel and watch it. So are you talking, you're telling me there's a, a channel now that is like unsolved mysteries, the channel? Well, a lot of them are solved. Oh, solved but, mysteries. But the way they, they, they but, but you, you don't know what a lot of these all these things actually happened. There was one yesterday. Um, it happened in Pennsylvania. I don't even want to spoil, but there's so many. Yeah, there, there are mysteries while you're <laughs> Spoiler watching, alert. It, but they're actual. You don't know what happened until the end. All right. Yeah. Oh, almost like uh, who like, did it? What do they do? The uh, Dateline. Do they go through the whole a, thing. A lot of. As a matter of fact, Dateline airs some of their shows on ID. But they're, they're, they're very similar to Dateline, except yeah. there's actual reenactments. In I, I hear you when it talks about like pulling you in. You know, they always yeah. have the, the same so guy well using have the you, same announcer voice. On the History Channel, they have a it's a series about the Zodiac Killer. And they're yeah, okay, love it. Yeah. Do you watch Hunting Hitler by any chance? I've watched it. It's I can't get enough of it. I've watched it. I just think a lot of that stuff is scripted. The reality stuff is scripted. It's definitely, I mean, I think they definitely set up some. I'm like, why is the camera already there when they get there kind of stuff? Let me tell you a show I was totally. addicted to. Um, uh, finding the Treasure. God, I can't remember now. The Curse of Oak Island? Okay, yes. I watch it every week religiously. Addicted, yep. addicted to it. And nothing ever happens, but exactly. you can't stop and then, watching. And then I, was, I, I went to uh, play hockey the next morning. 
and I said, I'm so done watching that Curse of Oak Island. It just takes... It, it, I say that every it, week. It takes... It's, it's a waste of my time. It's yep. the same thing like you just said. And a guy I skate with who's a great dear friend of mine actually works for a competitor in the radio. His name's Al Davis. Mm-hmm. He's a competitor. He works for a, a sports radio station. But unfortunately, he's a good friend of mine. Al Davis works for a sports radio station in Buffalo. Yes, Alan Davis. Different, yes. different Al Davis. It's more, just he, wind baby. He's Canadian. Is more, he's a hell of a hockey player. He's Canadian. And he goes, I grew up five minutes from Oak Island. I worked on Oak Island. He goes, there's nothing there. And this is after watching three three seasons. I go, are you kidding me? He goes, there's nothing there. He goes, I used to give tours. There's nothing there. But they found a Spoiler. piece of a, of a treasure chest apparently recently. Oh, I, uh, my, yeah. fr- my friend, actually, my friend Jim will be listening to this podcast, and we go back and forth every week because he loves it just as much as I do. But I say the same thing every week. Nothing happens, but I can't stop watching yeah. it. They have these meetings and talk about what they're going to do and all these. Uh, yeah, it's just like it, the show needs to move along, move along, like just get off the air. Anyway. Does it, though? I mean, does it? Because it seems no, like No, nothing. Is, they still- <laughs> well, no, I haven't watched it. Since, he, since Al told me there was nothing there, they dig these I massive holes in, years. in the ground, and they found like a piece of wood that could be a part of a treasure chest, and they find like a plank that shouldn't be there. See, now Matt's still watching. Yeah, no, I can't stop. I think it's on. What is Monday? It's on tomorrow. Yeah, I can't get enough of it. Actually, actually, I think the season's over. But that's how I am with. Uh American Pickers. Did you ever see that show where they love go, American Pickers? Oh my except, gosh. They, so, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's and it's all about like I'm gonna try and swindle this guy, and then they they do it, and then they record it, and then they talk about how they got. I don't know. It's like Storage Wars, but with not as much scripting. Maybe a little bit of scripting. They're I all, think I think American Pickers is, is pretty scripted. It's very. They're scripted. all scripted. Yeah. yeah. Look, once again, when they pull in the driveway, the camera's already there. I wonder. And then they, they shake hey, the guy's hand like, you? it's nice to meet you. The camera's behind the guy in the house already. Yeah, it's all scripted. And, the, and that, that that annoys me. So, okay, it's the ID channel. That's that basically that yeah. supersedes so I, I don't really watch Netflix, Netflix that much unless there's a really good movie on it I haven't seen. But there's it's, it's mostly, it's all, like, I, I will go home. I'm going to leave here and go home and watch the ID channel probably. That's great. I think I'm going to probably have to do that now, too. i got to figure out what channel it is, though. It's one of those things you're flipping through, and then... There was a show on yesterday that was just... It ended, and I was just totally horrified from it. Horrified. Ugh. of what, And it actually happened. It was in... Um, I forget the name of the town in Pennsylvania, but it was just horrifying, but... Oh, you gotta watch it. <laughs> this for for the uh, for the folks listening at home. Jixer has a horrified look on his face right now. <laughs> yeah, I, he, I, he I does wish look I, like really there's something going on yeah. behind. behind those I, I, I would I would. I'll walk you to your car when we leave. What happened? But uh, oh, you gotta watch it yourself. <laughs> All right, so it's my turn to ask the next question. I think. Um, so moving right along, if you could do any other job, what would it be? You know. I ask myself that all the time, and I'm not sure. I, I don't think I could do any other job that I would love as much as I do now, but I, I, I definitely, you know, same business, TV. I mean, I, I, think, I think every TV guy, local TV news guy should be doing more radio, and I know a lot of the print guys do radio shows now, Jerry Sullivan, Bucky. Um, they do radio. They do yeah. TV. They do like the Facebook Live thing and everything. Yeah. I watch that every week. And, yeah. And, and and I need to do more of that. Um, 
You do a little bit with, uh, with I, WBBZ, don't you? Yeah, I do a little bit of BBZ TV, and I've done some look lives for some local news stations regarding concerts. So I need to do more of that, which, which I kind of do now. But I, I think on a spinoff to the ID channel, I wouldn't mind being an investigator. Love that a idea. A homicide investigator, just because I've been so into that. Now, I might start doing it. Like, I don't know if I could look at a real dead body without freaking out so maybe not but i think right now just because i'm so addicted to that show is like i would want to do that right but i'm not sure that's a good answer be an investigator because some that's definitely that's definitely like a a, a shift well you know, yeah it's a whole nother well you start you know. and that's what we're looking for because yeah. i mean you started going down the path of i wouldn't want to do anything different which is like what everybody wants to an- answer you know because you don't know who's listening um <laughs> but but no i love my boss they're fantastic um but no i like that the, that's actually a really good answer because we want you to go a completely different direction so that, that's yeah, actually really as cool. of right now that, that that might change you know you know, I, I might want a job that's a little less stressful, like washing dishes somewhere too. You know, yeah. You don't have to answer to anybody. You just, but uh, I did right that in high school. A, it's it's overrated. Yeah, I don't even wash dishes at home. <laughs> My wife. Well, you know, I did that. bartend. You know, you know, back in the DJ nightclub days, I think every every bar that I DJed at, I ended up bartending there too. You know, so just that business just isn't healthy though. No. No, it, yeah. I got into some trouble when I was bartending, too. Yeah. Everybody I mean, does. You're, you're not going to go home early. You're going to stay out. You're going to have a few drinks. And it's just, it, it grows old. But boy, was it a lot of fun. Hell yeah. You just don't miss it all that much that, yeah. now that it's gone. Amen. One of those things that it's fun while it's happening, but then once it's over with, okay, it's over with. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. And uh, we got two more questions. Okay. I've got one, and then Matt's going to finish it up. So. All right. All right. Next five years, do you have any specific goals you have in, in place for yourself? Like, where, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Personally and professionally, but, you know. or neither. Um, yeah, I, I have goals. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Um, you know, like, I, I, I tell my interns, teaching is a, is a job that I might want. I feel like I'm a teacher now. I, I, I have um, groups of interns that come in uh, every semester which I really get a big kick out of working with now. Um, the ones that I know that want to be there, and trust me, you can tell if an intern wants to be there after their first hour. You can just tell by their body language. Um, I really want to you know, teach, like I tell my interns, I show my interns, I don't just tell them to do something, I try to explain why we do it this way. And, and if I had the time, I explain, because everything I do, I do it for a reason. And I, I just see them, by the end of the semester, the ones that want to be there, they've learned so much. And, and that's a great feeling, too. That's just like helping people, Dell. You, know, you see them learn. Like some, some of the kids in their interview to, for their internship will say three words. And then by the end of the semester, they... You know, you brought them out of their, their shell and, and, and they want to learn and they love what they do. So that's that's a, a, a pretty cool feeling in what I want to do. And, and I lost your question there somewhere. Well, you're, it was the goal. What are your goals? What yeah. are your goals for the next five years? But you want to teach more? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to continue. I want to continue to get better at what I do. You know, we said earlier, like, I honestly think that, you know, if you do something well, that's great, but you can always be better. And just just to keep doing what I'm doing and getting better, I look back on the 12 years I've been full time in 97 Rock, and I really feel that I'm on a roll. 
and um, I can continue to do so and get better at what I do. Do you get tired? I mean, you've you've ever you've only ever said yes to anything I've ever asked you to do without even like you get I get tired and, and I get I get in uh, grumpy moods and you can ask anybody I work with they'll tell you um, I, I get I get very grumpy at times which I need to get better at, at there's another thing I need to get better at is, is controlling my temper sometimes because you do work a lot of hours especially in the summertime and you know I know not everything is going to go the right way and sometimes I could handle it better and I don't always do that so there, there's there's one thing that I definitely want to uh, get better and set a goal to control my temper a little bit sure I'm not always the the, the, the nice guy smiling that's on TV or on the radio no I, I have I have a short temper sometimes. Your secret's safe with us. Yeah. Are you wearing cheeseburger socks right now? These are taco socks. Taco socks. So they're cheeseburgers. Even better than cheeseburgers. Those are probably better. Yeah. There's another thing too is like, and you guys were, were, were making fun of my scarf a little earlier. Everybody constantly makes fun of how I dress. But oh, I always, wasn't making fun. I wish I could pull guys it off. That are dressed. Yeah, no, you're killing it. I, I, yeah. I wasn't making Thanks, fun. Yeah, seriously, yeah, I, what the heck? I am. I'm part of a sock, a sock subscription. Um, I get um, John's, John's uh, crazy socks. John's crazy socks every month. Um, it's a it's a really great story. Um, it's a uh, I'm not sure how old he is now. He when he was a kid, Down syndrome. I I, mm-hmm. I think right. He had Down syndrome and he loved socks. So as sort of a way of raising money for different. Uh, down syndrome related charities as well as just having something fun and cool for him to do he started this organization called john's crazy socks and he designs and sends out socks and in fact with every sock he gets you he sends you um if it win the sock of the month club he actually well that's socks of the month because you get two of them um <laughs> just you know it's that, that would be wait, crazy you gotta wait two be months socks. before you can wear them um he actually does a handwritten note and it's like it's like hey matt thanks for buying these socks i really appreciate it love john it's like the coolest thing yeah that's awesome do you and, get a package of m&ms with yours too no you got m&ms i think i, I did uh uh-huh. well anyway so it, it's his birthday this week actually and that's he's awesome. and he's doing a discount to celebrate his own birthday <laughs> by giving everybody a discount which i thought was really cool i'm gonna have to get some crazy socks john's yeah john's crazy, crazy socks, socks. Yeah, yeah i'll give you the link before we go it's really really cool um so moving on to the um, uh, the next question, am I am I doing question number ten here? You said so, the yeah. last question. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's like a, home. there's like an extra question on the end that I that maybe we should ask that after that n- number eleven. Oh, I added ones on that I didn't tell you about. Oh wow, this is, it's well, it's you'll understand apocryphal questions here that you'll understand uh, why really. it makes sense in the in the end. So okay, it, the way this question used to be worded was, what do you want them to say about you in your obituary or in your eulogy? But instead, we made it less morbid, and we <laughs> and we actually said, "What will they say about you when you get your lifetime achievement award?" Oh uh, well, I tell you what, I, I want people to know that I always try to give it. I do the best that I can. So I want them to say, "Well, geez, he always he always would do the best that he could," because I I do, and I, you know I mean I might not be like a I might not be the best player on the team, but you're going to get some effort from me, and I'm going to make plays. And that's what I want people to say is that I did the best I could, and, and I uh, I was a playmaker. I want to be a playmaker. Jeez, I, that was really good. That was a good one. Huh? That was a good answer. That's, that's what I strive to be. So the, there's one extra question that I added on at the end that I didn't tell Dell about, but 
Um, and I found this actually by while searching for another question to ask on the internet. What question do you, actually? I should. I'm going to edit this because I'm going to fix the way I said this. But what do you wish that someone would ask you? You know what? I I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a good. That's a that's a tough question. I, I don't know if I would wish somebody would ask me something. Um, you know, getting back to you know my interns and my staff. I, you know, maybe they, you know, why do you do what you do or whatever? I mean, I do what I do is because I love it. So I, I guess they could ask me why I do what I do and, and why I take it so serious. I, I do it because I love it and I want to be the best at it. And uh, I guess that would be a question. Because I sometimes I get, my, my, some of my interns look at me and our, my part-time staff going, you know, it's just a job, you know, just kind of relax. And I go, but it's, it is, it's, it's a job that we want to be the best that we can be at. So I, I take that very seriously. So I, I guess, I guess that would be a question I would want my staff to ask me. I tell them anyways. <laughs> Before their internship's over, I explain uh, it to them 70 times. Hi, I'm Jigster, and this is why I do what I this do. This is why I do what I... You know, I never used to tell them. They, they used to... Um, I would show them how to do things, but I never told them why I do things. And I think now that I, sh I tell them why I do it, they understand it so much, and it helps them learn so much more. I mean, I would show them how to do it, but never tell them why. Now I tell them both, and both things and I've really I really think my teaching skills have improved by being more thorough like that my uh, my boss at work um, he always he reads a lot and he reads uh, sales books and self-improvement books um, business books stuff like that and the one thing that he always that the common theme in a lot of these different improvement books and 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 sales training books etc is not the what but the why why do you do this? You have to make this many calls and do this many things and yada, yada, yada. But this is why you do that because you can't understand anything until you understand why mm -hmm. you do that. And I think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fantastic answer. And, and be honest, it's, it's such an obvious thing that I think people don't think about that. Right. And, you know, if you can't answer, if you can't answer the why for anything you do, then you need to rethink that why you're, you know, what you're doing. Right. If you can't answer why you're doing it. That's a good point. And, and uh, I was reading a self self help book one time too. I think it was called the 10 lessons of life. And I can't remember the author, but what stood out with me in the whole book, and it was great advice, but it was, I don't have to go to work. I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. And if you say I get to go to work, it just, makes you feel, I mean it just makes you feel better about yourself like we don't like we all in this room love what we do for a living and, and we don't we don't have to do it but but we get to do it which is a pretty cool thing and sometimes even when we all have bad days at work and you might hate your job for a minute or two you, you think about where else would I rather be mm -hmm. you know so yeah good point yeah and that's like actually I'm glad we talked about that because there's some things in my life where I need to maybe sometimes explain the why, and I don't think about it. I'm just talking about the do and not the why. Yeah, so it's it's important, and and I, and no one told me that. Like like what you just said, I, I was thinking to me, I wish somebody would have would have told me that, you know, five or six years ago. But you know, you learn as you go, and 
uh, sometimes you learn the hard way, but but like I said, I, uh, it's night and day when I explain to them why they understand everything so much better. And um, I'm not afraid to show the, the good interns that want to want to be in marketing and radio and promotions. I'll show them if they I'll show them everything I know. And someone said, aren't you afraid that they're going to try to take your job? And everybody's replaceable in this business. But the main thing about the job I do and Dell, you too, Matt, you too, is networking and meeting the right people. And if you're a real person and you meet the right people, they're going to know you're real and, and they'll be able to help you do what you do no matter what you do down the line. So I think networking, being real, networking is 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 the main thing. So I, I tell the people, no, well, they might be able to do what I do, but they don't know the people that I know. You know what? And I, I've been saying that a lot lately, uh, just in conversations with people. And it's like this recurring thing that I've been trying to impress. It's like... You can get up. Okay, the world is—it's all who you know, right? That—that's kind of how the world works. It's all who you know, um, and you can get upset about that. Like, you know what? I don't know anybody. It's all who you know, and this person. Blah, blah, blah. Or you can walk out your front door and start introducing yourself to people. Exactly. You know, and and, and hard work does pay off. So it is hard work, and the people that—I mean, look, we all know a lot of people, but if they didn't know. If they didn't realize that we were hard workers, they're not going to go out of their way to help us. Mm -hmm. So hard work does pay off and being real pays off. And if you can be real, network and be a hard worker, you are going to meet the right people. It'll take a little time, but you're going to meet the right people. Yep. Nailed it. On that note, I don't think there's anything left to say. Oh, you know what? We should, the three of us should be motivational speakers. We should. I know. Jeez. We would kill it. I could read stuff out of self-help books all day and just make it sound like I came up with yeah, it. Quote it. Just remember the author, though. You know what's funny is when I, I was thinking about that, when we talk about the why, the thing that popped in my head was the Karate Kid. When he's gotten paint the fence, wax on, wax off, and he's like, why the hell am I doing all your household chores? And then all of a sudden, he throws a punch at him, and he blocks it with the wax off, the wax, jeez, I'm going to edit that, um, the wax on, wax off uh, technique. And then he, he tries to, you know, he tries to kick him, and he does the, the paint the fence technique. And he's like, that's why I was painting your fence, and that's why I was waxing your car. This might not make it to the final podcast, but when I think of the why, like that's a great example of it. Like he never asked why when he was making. I don't know if you've seen the Karate Kid. Um, he was making him paint a fence, and he painted the whole fence. He never said why. He just said, "This is this is silly. What what's the deal here? What's going on?" He didn't say why do I have to do this. And once he eventually asked why, he threw a punch at him and he blocked it because he knew how to block it by painting a fence. <laughs> I always thought it was a good thing that Ralph Macchio read that script. Because if someone was throwing a punch at me, I probably wouldn't think like, oh, paint the fence. Yes. Or, oh, wax the car. Right. So it's a good thing he read the script. It's, um, got knocked out. Well, I think most movies can probably say that, you know. <laughs> good thing they read the script in advance. So on that note, um, want to thank Jixter for being here with us today. Thanks um, for having me, guys. It's fun. This has actually been a really cool conversation. Um, I don't think I'm going to cut much of it out. No, I would say we just uh, maybe. Tighten it up. Yeah, tighten it up a little bit. Take out some of these my tongue fumbles here when I was trying to say certain things. Oh, that'll happen. Don't worry. I have a lot of those, too. Yeah. So, uh, but no, Jixter, thank you so much for taking Thanks the time Thanks for having with me, us. gentlemen. Um, thank you to everybody who listened. And thank you to, of course, uh, Value Home Centers, who is our gracious sponsor with this whole effort. So... Thanks go around to everybody. Yes, absolutely. So make sure you head over to Value Home Centers immediately after listening to this podcast. Uh, and go, go buy some nails or a saw or 
Stare, I say a shovel. A shovel. No, don't yeah. say that. No, no. Give no. yourself a nice snowblower. Mm, no, maybe a nice uh, hammock. So once again, thank you, to, thank you again to Jixter for being here with us today. And remember, uh, Jixter said, make sure you know why you're doing what you're doing. And then this is where the music is over the end. Yeah. Cool. This is good.